is a living God. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. I'm going to ask you to, to, to take a look around you. Just take a look around the room. And those of you who, who are listening to this tape um, on the Internet and the podcast, do the same thing. At home, in the room, or wherever you're listening to this tape, just look around. Seriously, Ian, just look around. Look around. Bend your head. Look around. Okay? Can you see your surroundings? Okay? Can you see your surroundings? Well, obviously, you can. And most of us, when you ask that question, can you see your surroundings, you would answer yes. But the truth is, whether your vision is 20-20, or whether you wear glasses, or whether you have contact lenses, there are things that are, that are that around you that you cannot see. No matter how hard you try, you cannot actually see everything that is around you. The human eye has built into it, both eyes, have built into it something that is called a blind spot. The blind spot is an area on the retina where the optic disc and the optic nerve come in and connect. And when the light comes in, the way we see, light comes in, it hits, the, hits that spot, hits our retina, and then it goes to the optic nerve and the brain interprets whatever it is that we're looking at. Well, each eye has in it a blind spot. And in that particular blind spot, there are no what's called photoreceptors. There are no photoreceptors that are on the rest of the retina that catch the light. In that blind spot, there are no photoreceptors that allow us to catch the light and therefore see what is, what's going, what's, what is in that particular position. There are a number of little tests you can search for um, how to find my blind spot on the Internet, a number of them. A lot of them involve you, you know, they'll show a dot and a cross, let's say, and they, they'll say, cover your left eye and look at the red dot and look at the red dot and then bring it closer to you. And then at some point, the cross will disappear out of your vision. At that point, that's your blind spot because you cannot see what is in that spot. Okay, and we have those in both eyes. What, what, why we don't see or why we are not impacted by that blind spot on a day-to-day basis is because the, bright, the brain and the way God designed it and having two eyes, the brain compensates and sort of patches together what is around us. So we really don't see that blind spot. We really don't miss the, the, the data or the, the information that is not coming into the eye. So that's a blind spot. We know that in driving a car, you have a blind spot, especially on the right-hand side. If you're not careful and you start going into the right lane, and I've always been in a habit since I was a youngster, looking over my shoulder before I switch lanes. Sometimes between the mirror, your rear view mirror, your side view mirror, there's still that little spot. If a car is driving next to you in that position, you just can't see it. Okay, so there are are blind spots, even though the eye was designed that way and we have that little blind spot. The master designer, God himself, designed the eye. And it is indeed a magnificent uh, piece of piece of, of the body. We usually aren't aware of this blind spot because, as I said, the brain fills in the blank and missing information. And it's truly a wonderful design. And as I always say, now that we talked about a physical reality, For everything that is a fact of matter in terms of physics and what happens in the physical realm, there is also a spiritual counterpart. There's also a spiritual counterpart. So today we're going to talk about spiritual blind spots, spiritual blind spots. So spiritually speaking, if we talked about and understand what the physical blind spot is, spiritually speaking, those blind spots can be gaps in our perception concerning the things of God. A spiritual blind spot is a gap, something that you do not see relative to the things of God, something that would present you, prevent you, I should say, that keeps you from seeing the truth and understanding what the truth of God is, you see. And because of the fact that it's a blind spot, we don't even realize that we're missing out on that truth. 
The same way you don't see that car that's in your blind spot when you're driving or other blind spots that are in the, in the physical realm there because our eye kind of compensates and makes up for it. In the spiritual realm, if you have a spiritual blind spot, you have an inability to see and understand a spiritual reality. You have an inability to see and understand a spiritual reality. And this can be very, very detrimental because that spiritual reality can be right there in front of your face, but you don't see it. Okay, because it's in a blind spot. This can also impact how you see others and it can impact how you see yourself because you don't realize that something is right there in front of you spiritually and you're not comprehending it. You're not seeing it and you're not understanding it. So it can impact you because we are at times blinded to spiritual reality. We can be immobilized and we can be crippled by guilt. We can be crippled and immobilized by shame, anger and bitterness Worry and regret, fear and, and anxiety because of these blind spots that happen in our spiritual lives. Too many people needlessly live in defeat because they're immobilized by their own mistakes or the mistakes of others because they simply don't see what's going on. They simply don't see it. It's in a blind spot in their spiritual life. People like that, they, they wind up, they stumble around in life. They wind up stumbling around in life with blind spots blocking the work that God wants to do to them. So if you've got these blind spots, these spiritual blind spots in, in, in your life, you're kind of stumbling around like this and like this. And stuff is right there in front of you, but it's in your spiritual blind spot and you don't even see it. You don't even see it. God has a blessing for you. God has some direction. God has a word for you. But you are so blind to what God is trying to say to you and to give you and tell you what to do that you miss it. So we have this spiritual blind spot, but it doesn't have to be this way. No matter how challenging or frustrating your life might be, every single person can discover the way to victory, to hope and a joyful new way of living. Once you become aware of these spiritual blind spots, I previously said that there are spiritual blind spots just as there are physical blind spots. A spiritual blind spot, again, it's, it's, it's not a phrase or it's not a term that you're going to find in the Bible. If you do, if you have a, biblical, a Bible concordance, you're not going to look at blind spot. You're not going to find it in there. But the concept of spiritual blind spots exists quite frequently in Scripture and it's mentioned in Scripture. But it's because of the fact that we have these spiritual blind spots that many of us as Christians wind up suffering. A blind spot is an area in your life that is negatively impacting you. Again, but you cannot see it. You simply are not aware of the fact that's that's there. Like a blind spot when you're driving a car, that spiritual blind spot, if it's ignored, it can also leave lead to massive wrecks in your life. You can ignore a blind spot on the road. And and I mean, we've all been there. You know, you start shifting into a into a uh, into the right lane. You got your signal light on. You check your mirrors and you start drifting over. And all of a sudden there's a honking horn. Beep! The guy over there in that lane telling you don't move right because I'm here. And you jump up and you compensate. You correct your course. Well, the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. It can lead the same way that can lead to a physical accident if you don't heed what you're doing. Ignoring and missing and not understanding spiritual blind spots can lead to spiritual wrecks in your life and causing so many things, so many things to go to go wrong. One of these. So we're going to go over what are some of these spiritual blind spots? What are they? Because if there are if I'm proposing to you that there are spiritual blind spots, 
then you have to know, well, what are some of them? Because if there are spiritual blind spots and if there are remaining blind spots, that means that you still are not aware of them. Okay? And a spiritual blind spot, again, is something that would impact you spiritually, which winds up impacting your life and how God wants to bless and how God wants to block, wants to, to guide you so you can be more successful in life. Well, the first spiritual blind spot to go over is one that is the most common. And that blind spot is not seeing and understanding that the word of God that is being preached in a sermon or you're hearing it in some message, be it a televangelist or whatever, that that message is not meant for you. That's the most common blind spot. We hear sermons, we hear pastors, and we, we, we read stuff or read things in the Bible even, and you wind up sitting there, yeah, mm-hmm. What that person is talking about, that sounds just like, that sounds like, 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 like Auntie, Auntie Mamie. That sounds just like so-and-so. It sounds like my grandmother. It sounds like my cousin. Oh, yes. Yeah, but they miss the fact that this very thing that's being talked about could be applying to them. I see that so often. I see that so often. How do I, do I know that's the fact? Because I see what happens in people's lives. I see what happens in people's lives. They will hear the word of God. They'll hear a message. They'll hear a scripture. They'll even read something. But yes, so you can see what's happening in their lives that obviously they're not paying attention. So there's a blind spot there where they're not taking the word of God and applying it to me. Many, I've told you this before many times when I'm preaching up here and the Holy Spirit is, is giving the message, there'll be a little something there. And I say, oh, wait, whoa, wait a minute. I need to check that out myself. I need to address that in my life also. So we've all got that spiritual blind spot where you've got to get to the point that when you're hearing a message, whether it's from me or anyone else, that you're as you're listening and God is letting those words come forth, that you start saying, does that apply to me? Does that impact my life? Could that be because right away, a big spiritual blind spot is if you start thinking, well, that's a good message. That's a good message there. Boy, that oh boy, that message was spot on. Boy, that sure applies to my cousin. You don't see where it applies to you also. So that's one blind spot you need to to watch out for. Ask God. Ask God. You should be praying. One of the things that you should be doing and preparing for church in the morning before you get to church at home, when you're up saying your morning prayers, at least I hope you're spending a little time in prayer in the morning, and especially when you're going to church, is to say, Lord, speak to me today through your word. Let your message bring some revelation to me, Lord. It's that you go to church, church expecting to hear something from God, something that can trigger something or where there may be some direction for you. The other thing that is a blind spot is wavering faith. Let's go to James verse 1. James 1. Go to James chapter 1. And start with verse number six. Verse one, uh, James chapter one, verse six. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay. So you're talking about a blind spot there. Let him, that, let him ask in faith with nothing wavering. Okay? A wavering person is like someone driven by the sea that bounces back and forth. So a blind spot in our lives spiritually could be that, like, like, like you start losing faith or you start drifting, vacillating back and forth between something that you know God has told you to do. But you don't realize that what you're doing here is, is you're opening the door to what, what it says in verse number seven. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. 
Here you are praying to God about something. You're believing in God about something. But one minute you got faith and the next minute you don't have faith. The one, one minute you're all pumped up in what God says he's going to do for you. And then the least little thing happens in your life that may be contrary to that. And then you start shifting back the other way and you start losing the faith. So that bouncing back and forth between, between believing and not believing is a blind spot because you're not realizing what God says in number seven. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So the blind spot is you not realizing that you having wavering faith and bouncing back and forth and being, uh, what does it say in verse number eight, uh, a double-minded man is unstable in his ways. You're not realizing that bouncing back and forth, faith, no faith, big faith, little faith, you're bouncing back and forth, that God is saying it because of that, uh, let not, not, not think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You don't realize that, so that's a blind spot. You don't see where vacillating faith, moving faith back and forth is something that could be preventing you from being blessed. So when things are going on in your life and you're praying and and you're wondering why something isn't happening, one of the things that you can stop and think to yourself, well, gee whiz, doing some self-analysis, well, gee whiz, am I bouncing back and forth? Am I believing one minute and then the next hour I'm, I'm not believing? Am I as strong in faith one hour and then 15 minutes from now because of something someone says, because of something that someone says or a piece of mail or a phone call, all of a sudden now my faith is, is getting, is, is wavering, it's getting weak? If you're bouncing back and forth like that, and you're running the risk of not receiving from God, you see. But we don't stop and think about that. So therefore, it's a blind spot. The truth of the matter is right there in front of us. How can God bless me? God said, God said that if you're wavering like that, then I, I can't bless you. I can't receive you. You see, but because of the fact that you don't realize that and you don't think about it, it becomes a blind spot. And so you're wondering, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and you're doing all of these things, but I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and you're wondering why nothing is happening. Where's your faith at, really? Or are you a double-minded man? Okay? What does it say there? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. One way you can check that is how are you feeling? Are you up one day? Are you feeling down the other? If you're all pumped one day about the way life is going and then another day you're all down, that everything is going wrong, Everybody's talking about me. This job is not going right. People are this, people are that. My in-laws, you know, my sister, my brother, my folks in the family are acting crazy. They're doing the dumbest things. And yes, and you're praying and you're believing in God. But then if you're back and forth like that, that's being double-minded. Okay? Okay? And that means that you can be unstable. You are unstable in terms of the things of God. You see? So that's a blind spot because we don't see what relationship that that has to our spiritual growth and our spiritual well-being. Another big blind spot that we often have is unforgiveness. Let's go to Colossians. Unforgiveness. Praise the living God. And, and, And this is a blind spot that not only sometimes do we not realize it's there. But this is a blind spot that many of us, even as Christians, insist on holding on to. Insist on holding on to. You don't know how many people I've known over the many, many years being in the Lord that in talking to them, and they're such good Christians, praise the Lord. They're the ones that greet you with, praise the Lord, how are you today? Oh, God bless, God bless, and sounding so pious and all of this stuff. And you happen to mention somebody, so-and-so, man, boy, I wouldn't speak to that broad if so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And all this language starts coming out of their mouths, okay? What, Aunt Tilly? Kids, I haven't spoken to her in 15 years. 
Oh, praise the Lord. How are you, brother? Where are you going? Where are you going? Oh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, we talk about Aunt Tilly and all of this hatred and stuff that she's held on to. That's a big blind spot. Big blind spot. And Christians don't believe how that is preventing them from being blessed. Okay? Again, like that driver on the road that you don't see in the mirror. That's where that blind spot is just nagging, it's eating away at, at your success in God. Okay? So, so what is it that God says about un, unforgiveness? There are so many scriptures here. We're just going to touch on a couple of them. But Colossians 3. Colossians, Colossians, however you want to pronounce it. 3. And we're going to start with chapter, uh, actually just going to do verse rather, 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do you. Okay? So under, just underline just that verse. I just want to, want to zero in on just that particular verse. Forbearing one another, having patience with one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye, do you. Okay, so Jesus forgave you. You're sitting here today listening to this message. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you believe that he is the Son of God deep in your heart, as the Scripture says, then you're saved. Believing that you're going to be going to heaven. So Jesus forgave you. Jesus went to that cross, shed his blood and died. Died for your sins. So therefore God forgave you. So if God can forgive you, who are you to not forgive someone else? It's easy to to forgive somebody that you love. Oh, that's my buddy so-and-so. That's all right. He can act stupid sometimes. I forgive him. He says dumb things, you know. And you forgive that person, all right? But what about other someone else in your life? What about a boss? What about someone that you have a hard time with? One of some distant family uh, uh, member, someone that did something to you when you were a child. You know, can you forgive them? You see, but the blind spot in your life as a Christian is that you don't realize the impact that unforgiveness is giving is putting in your life. You don't realize what it's doing to you. You don't realize that because of the fact that you are not aware aware of it. This is something that is so real and tangible and so real to God. And it's happening in your life, but you don't see it. And you're wondering why you're not being blessed. You see. So it's a blind spot you really have to watch out for, okay? And, and it's the people that are close to you sometimes that it's the hardest to forgive, okay? Now, and, and, and forgiveness takes, you know, and let me just, just carefully here, you know, also say to you that forgiving someone, especially someone that is still living uh, an ungodly life that has done something to you, okay? That, that does not mean now they are still living this ungodly life. They're drinking, they're smoking, they're hanging out in all of the wrong places, they're doing all of the wrong things. Just because you forgave them of what they did to you does not mean now all of a sudden you've got to become a buddy and a cohort with this person. It does not mean all of a sudden now you've got to start going to the bars, drinking with them, going to the places of ill repute. They're doing like they're doing, doing all the other things that they do just because you forgave them. It simply means that for the way they wronged me, I forgive them. Jesus forgave us, but Jesus certainly was without sin. He forgave people when he was walking the, walking the earth. He forgave people and so forth. But he didn't mean that Jesus started living their lifestyle. So forgiving someone is not meaning that I forgive them so much and you love them. Yes, God loves them. God loves them. It doesn't mean you take up their lifestyle. Well, if you forgave me, then why don't you come hang out with me at the bar? Okay? Here, here's some of this. It's legal now. It's legal. You can smoke some of this herb. It's legal. You can come drinking with me, you know. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. You stick to what God wants you to do. You stick to what you know is a godly life. But forgiveness is is important to God. You go to Matthew 5. 
Matthew 5. And this is a blind spot that is out there so many times we Christians have to be so careful of because it sneaks up on us. You know, unforgiveness, being angry with someone can sneak up and, and it's something that you hold on to and hold on to. And every time you see that person, you, 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 that anger rises up and you start thinking about what they did or said to you. And that unforgiveness just seems to well up all over again. You see a person that you're harboring unforgiveness across the, you're coming down the side of the street. What do you do? You cross the street so you don't have to come into contact with them. You know, you pull into the parking lot and you're getting out of your car. You see someone at the door about to go into Walmart. You get back in your car and hide out because you're afraid of running into them. Doesn't mean you got to do what they want to do. But okay, but you, you got to keep, you, gotta, you can't be harming that unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 5, to show you how important this is to God, uh, verse 21. Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said, that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has an ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. All right? So in other words... This is so important to God. If you've got an issue going with somebody and you're harboring some, some, some uh, bad feelings with this person, and here you arrive in church, and the pastor says, okay, now it's time to take up tithes and offerings. God says, before you give that tithe and offering, you go and reconcile with your brother. So God doesn't even want your tithes and offerings. He doesn't want your gift that refers to here. All right. So, so is it that important to God that I, that I don't, as much as God talks about giving to him, the importance of giving, we're going to touch on that a little bit later, but God is saying to unforgiveness is so important to me that you can't bring your gifts to the, to the altar here. You can't bring your tithe offering, tithes and offering to the altar if you're harboring unforgiveness with somebody. You go and you take care of that first. Then you come and give. All right. So the blind spot is, what do we do? We come to church every Sunday and we're giving our tithes and offerings, but deep in our hearts we're thinking about Antilly, we're thinking about that so-and-so, we're mad at this person, and we're harboring this unforgiveness in our hearts. So what are you doing? You're giving your tithes and offerings. God is saying, no, 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 I don't even want your tithes and offerings. You go and you take care of what you need to do. You go and give forgiveness. You know, now, now it could also be that this person in unforgiveness, I mean, maybe they live in another part of the world, in another state or whatever. They don't have a cell phone, no computer. The bottom line is in your heart. It's in your heart. It would be nice if you can talk to that person and say, yes, I forgive you of such and such or whatever it is. But if it's really impossible for you to get in touch with that person, in your heart you need to forgive them. Okay? Okay? Proof in that case in point of that is what if there's someone in the, in the past that has died? Oh, my granny's been gone. But I remember, boy, when I was three years old, man, she kicked me outside and made me go play with those chickens, and those chickens pecked me, and I came screaming and running all over the place. I'll never forget what that old crony did to me and so on like that. Oh, boy, I hate her. And she's dead and gone. But you're harboring that unforgiveness. Okay? So you've got to, you've got to forgive her in your heart. And God knows how sincere you are about that forgiveness. 
Okay? All right, all right. But it's a spiritual thing, and it's just as real as, as the physical blind spots that we see while driving or anything else that we're doing in re- regular, everyday physical life. Okay? So unforgiveness is very, very important to God. And we often don't see that blind spot. You don't see how it can impact your life, because you either you don't believe what the Scripture says about unforgiveness, or you forget about it when it's present in your life. Either you don't believe what Scripture says about it, or you don't think it's present in your life. So it becomes a blind spot. The other blind spot is a haughty spirit. The dictionary defines haughty as being proud and disdainful, having a high opinion of oneself with some contempt for others, lofty and arrogant. Okay? I'll read it again. Having a high opinion of oneself with some contempt for others, lofty and arrogant. All right, and we go to Proverbs 16. Okay, 16. Okay. Verse number 16. Uh, I'm sorry, 18. Sorry, verse 18. 16, chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Okay. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Okay? Okay? Chapter 16, verse number 18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So if you're being puffed up in pride and being haughty, thinking that you're better than someone else, okay, God warns very much against that. You know where pride comes from. Who was the first person, so to speak, that, 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 that fell victim to this pride or had it pride? It was Lucifer himself in heaven. He got so puffed up in pride, he got himself kicked out of heaven because he was so beautiful and so on like that. So pride in day-to-day life, day-to-day life um, going and building into a haughty spirit gives this arrogance and makes you feel that you know more than everyone else and that you're better you're, or you are superior. Okay, And God wants us to live exactly the other way. God wants us to have humility in our lives because Jesus Christ, in all of the power that he had, he was humble. Okay, you see, But as a blind spot, we don't realize it's there because we conduct ourselves in a way that haughtiness comes out of us and we don't even see it. Other people may see it and may or may not react to you accordingly, but that haughty spirit that is in you, you don't see it, so it becomes a blind spot. And because it's a blind spot that you don't see where God is speaking against pride and haughtiness, you know, actually, if you get into deliverance, there is a spirit called a haughty spirit that needs to be bound up and cast out. If you've got that spirit, you don't realize it, so it becomes a blind spot, and you start wondering why you're not being blessed. Because you're getting into something where God is saying to be careful of. A blind spot will prevent you from being humble. Okay, and humility is very, very important in the word of God. All right, so you've got to be very careful when you're, when you're messing around here, especially if you start getting this feeling, well, I am so great and I am so good and, and I can do this, that you start talking down to other people and you start treating people like I am indeed superior to you, you see? But, but the, the person with a haughty spirit, the problem is, the person with the haughty spirit doesn't recognize that they have the haughty spirit. Because they would never think it's impossible for me to have a haughty spirit. And guess what the, what the rest of the statement is? I'm too, I'm, I'm, it's impossible for me to have a haughty spirit. Why? Because I'm too great to have a haughty spirit. You see? You see? You see? I'm above having a haughty spirit. So if you think you're above having a haughty spirit and that that's impossible to you. So, so what do we as Christians need to do? We need to check ourselves. 
You know, how am I feeling about other people? How am I feeling about the way I relate to people? Is it possible for me to be wrong? Is it possible for me to admit that I'm wrong? Okay. Okay. You know, humility is not something that means you got to be milk toast and all sappy and so forth. You know, one of the things that I know about the martial arts, even though I'm not I'm not trained in martial arts. But one of the things that I know about reading up on it is the people that are really, 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 really well versed and well trained in martial arts and have really have really adapted to practice and know what they're doing. They don't walk. They don't walk around bragging about it. They're just as humble as they can be. One of the worst things a bad guy could be was to pick on someone that looks puny and slow and really quiet and try to take their wallet from them. They wind up getting really, really beat badly, <laughs> broken in two because this person is a black belt three times over or whatever. But you'd never know it by, by talking to them. You'd never know it by looking at them because that humble spirit, that humility, you know, overrides, overrides their, their abilities even. So, 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 so haughty spirit is something else that can wind up being a blind spot for us. It can be a blind spot because when you have that spirit, you don't feel like you're being haughty or puffed up in pride. James number James 4, 3 to 6. Just go there a bit. Because, again, this is something that we as Christians, we overlook. Praise the living God. Come on, Peter. James. Okay, James chapter 4. Okay, and starting with verse number 3. James 4, verse number 3. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in us is lustless to envy? But, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So one of the things we want to make sure we look at, how are we living and conducting our lives? God, God gives grace unto the humble. So God wants us to have more of a humble spirit as opposed to being puffed up, puffed up in, uh, in, uh, it with a haughty spirit. You know, okay? And we need to humble ourselves, go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter Praise the living God. Okay. Okay. 2 Peter, 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 5. And starting with verse number 6. Again, we're talking about humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. All right. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Okay, but the operative uh, scripture there, verse number is number six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Exalting you is meaning not only lifting you up, but it means making you successful. 
If you're not succeeding in what you're, want, what you're trying to do, what you're wanting to do, that's one of the spots that we need to check in our lives because it might be a blind spot. We may not be relating humility or the lack of humility with me not being able to be blessed by God. All right. The, the bottom line is, according to the word of God, if you've got this proud, puffed up spirit about yourself, that you are a know it all and that that you are better than other people. You know, and, and, and many times, many times as, as a Christian. Because the deeper you get into the Lord and you start understanding the gifts of the spirit. OK. All right. And a lot of Christians, you know, oh boy, I want the gifts of the spirit. I want the gift of the spirit. Oh, man, you talk about prophecy. You talk about this, the gift of healing, the gift of that. Oh, man, I, I want that. I want that. Why? 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 Why do you want that gift? OK, why? You know, oh, I, 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 I want to be the pastor. No, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be the bishop. I want to be a, the head of over many, many churches. Why? Is it because it's for self-promotion? Is it because you think that if I have this gift of God, the gift of prophecy or the word, you know, the gift of knowledge or the gift of the, the word of knowledge, you, you, know, you know, the wisdom, if I have this, boy, that's going to make me appear to be such a great Christian. That's going to make me appear to be so powerful. But well, guess what? It's the, pers- it's the very person that thinks that the gift is going to be used by them in that way. They're the ones that God will not give the gift to. God will not give the gift to. God is not going to give you a gift, give you one of his Holy Spirit gifts, knowing that you're going to get even more puffed up than you are because you want to go and exalt yourself over, over others that are in the ministry. See, I've got the gift of prophecy. Be careful. I can prophesy what's going to happen in your life. And you start walking around with robes flowing and you start thinking of yourself as being way up on high someplace. What did Jesus say about the, the Pharisees? He said you stand on the streets, you know, you, you sit in all of the places, you get the, you want the seats in the front and you wear the fabulous robes. It's all about look at me, look at me, look at me. Jesus called them a bunch of vipers. You see, so we as Christians here in the 21st century, if we're thinking we want to be we want to be successful in God, we want to really walk in the spirit and, and be really deeper and closer to God. You got to stop and ask yourself, as, as a, it, possibly in a blind spot here, what's my motivation? You know, why do I want the gifts of the spirit? Why do I want to be this? Why do I want to be that? What's your motivation? You see, because if it's pride, if it's being puffed up, you know, then that that just blows away any thought of humility. God's not going to bless you in that way. God said that I will exalt you in due season. But think about, am I showing humility in my life? Okay. God knows who you are. That's all that matters. God knows who you are. God knows what gifts he gave you. Okay. God knows. And, and, and you know, if you're in the, if you are in the right place with God, you know the gifts that God has given you. You don't have to go about bragging and talking about it. God will use the gift as he sees fit to use it and when he sees fit to use it. You don't have to say, oh, I've got the gift of prophecy. I've got the gift of tongues. I've got this. You don't have to go around talking about that. God knows. And your life, if you're using the gift and you're walking in humility, your life will show it to others. And that's all that matters. Your life will show it. How you conduct your life, how you interact with other people, how you feel sympathetic to other people. How you can respond to a weakness without getting angry with someone else because they are weaker than you. Okay? All of that, God looks at how we interact. What's your motivation for wanting to do things? Am I humble enough? Am I demonstrating? Humility, humble humility is not weakness. It's not weakness. Matter of fact, spiritually speaking, it's a strength. Okay? What did Jesus say? I could call Ben, I could call down a legion of angels in a heartbeat. But the father sent him on a mission. 
and he went and he took care of the mission. All right. So just because who you are and, 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 and feel good about yourself, that you are who you are because God has touched you. God has taken you. God has given you his Holy Spirit. God is going to move and to use you to where he wants you to get to. Feel good about that. I almost want to say feel feel proud about that, but I don't want to use the word pride. But I'm saying to feel good about what God is doing and is doing in you and will do in you. But do not get puffed up because your whole point in you becoming wherever God wants to lift you up to in him is to glorify God. It's not to glorify self. If right away you're thinking about, I want the gift of this, I want to be able to do this, I want to be promoted into this and whatnot. And it wasn't, if it's for your glory, then you're not going to get there. You're not going to get there. Okay? If anything, I want to grow in God so that I can glorify God. So that I can touch someone else. So that I can move someone else that is hurting or is struggling. That I can lead them to you, Lord God. Give me the wherewithal to do that. But not give me the wherewithal so I can do for me. And everyone stand back and say, boy, you see that brother? Oh, man, he's, boy, he is so anointed. See that sister? Boy, she is so anointed. God knows you're anointed. That person knows they're anointed, but it's what they do with it, okay? And guess what I say to you today? You're anointed, and that's a whole big separate sermon. You're anointed. Your blind spot might be you don't realize how anointed you are. Your blind spot might be that you don't know what to do with that anointing, but you're anointed. If you continue seeking God and searching God, he'll show you just how you are so anointed, and how you can move in that anointing. The word of God says, touch not, was it, was it touch not my, uh, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm? Well, that anointed is you. Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. You are that anointed. So what the word of God is saying, don't touch my anointed people. You don't realize that what, you don't realize the risk that, that, that people run when they, when they wish bad things on you, when they try to do bad things to you, they don't realize the risk that they're running in messing with you, so to speak, because you're one of God's anointed. Okay? All right. But we have to realize that and then start using that, start using it the way God wants us to use it. Okay, so we see there about the humility. The other area, the other blind spot here in getting down to just a few more verses here is our, um, unrepented sin. Unrepented sin. Go to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. That it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy. That it cannot hear. But your iniquities. Have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you. That he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood. And your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. Okay. Alright, so, so reading again from number one, behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is it ear, his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Verse two underlined this, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Okay? 
So that means then there's something that we need to do to make sure that my sin has not separated me from God. Okay? How is that a blind spot? Well, it's a blind spot when we get into a sin, when we commit sin. And that can be a sin of commission, meaning something that you do, or a sin of omission, which is something that you don't do that God is telling you to do. Okay? There's no such thing as uh, uh, um, um, venial, what is it that they say, venial sins and mortal sins. No such thing. Sin is sin to God. The only difference, the only two categories, if you will, are a sin of commission and a sin of omission, but they're both sins, okay? A, a venial sin according to the Catholic Church and a mortal sin. A mortal sin is a sin that will bring you death. A venial sin is a sin that's not so bad, so it won't bring you death, but it's a sin. No such thing. Sin is sin to God, period, okay? But a, a sin, you could commit a sin based on something that you do. That's a sin of commission. You committed an act or a sin of omission, which is something that you didn't do. Where you get into difficulty, where the blind spot is that you forget that you need to repent. Okay, that's the blind spot. The blind spot is that you don't realize that if I don't quickly repent of the sin, that I'm separating myself from God. Okay, for that time, for that point in time, okay, the relationship with God, your relationship with God is not broken, but the fellowship with God is broken. Okay, you're still his son or his daughter, but your fellowship with God for that time is broken. So you need to need to quickly repent of that sin. And the blind spot is us thinking as Christians that I can do this sin. I can do this thing. It's not so bad. And therefore, I can just keep on being really, really close to God. And that's the blind spot, because what does it say that you're separate? I, I can't hear you. God's saying, I can't hear you. I, I can't I can't deal with you while you're in that state of sin. You see, so the blind spot is thinking that we can get away with doing this here and that God is still this close to us where God is saying by his by his own lips here that no. Okay, okay. You're not being blessed because of the fact that, um, what does it say in verse 2? Your, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So the blind spot is that we don't see that. Okay, we don't, we don't see that. And, and it's so easy to creep, to creep in because I, I talk about, you know, sins. You know, we have this thing where we start thinking to ourselves, well, well um, this is a slight sin, so I don't, have to, I don't have to repent of it. I need to bring it to God. You're checking out a Walmart or Winco, and you're going through the line there, and this young checkout person is tallying things up. Then on your way back to the car in the parking lot, they, and you're unloading this stuff, you notice there are a couple items that you didn't pay for, that the girl ring up, didn't ring up. It's happened to all of us, okay? And believe it or not, I've heard Christians telling me, oh boy, you know, you know this, this brand, boy, the Lord sure blessed me the other day. I went through the store, man, and guess what, boy, I didn't, they didn't charge me for so-and-so and so, and I knew on the spot when I was putting it in my car, the Lord blessed me. The Lord blessed me, okay? And Christians write that off as a blessing. Big blind spot, big blind spot, okay? Why would God do that at the expense of that poor young clerk in there, who very well, possibly, if anyone has worked as a cashier, many times you've got to replace that money out of your pocket in some cases? Why would God bless you and do that to that person? Okay, and and you know, you know now that that person did that, but you still you go and you pass it up and you put it in your car. Okay, okay. Now now, now that is that is a blind spot is that we don't realize here that that you are stealing. You're stealing. If you didn't pay for it, what you're putting in that car is the property of that store. Until you pay for it, it's the property of that store. So if you didn't pay for it, you're stealing. So it's a blind spot. It's a blind spot. And we wonder why we're not being blessed. When we do this day after or every time the opportunity arises, we do the same thing. 
Okay? So you're committing a sin there, but you're not realizing. So it becomes a blind spot that's preventing you from blessed, being blessed. You know, and there's, there's a dozen of those things like that. A, 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 a parking, but parking in a handicapped parking space. You're not handicapped. You're not handicapped, so you're lying. You're lying. Again, you're parking someplace you shouldn't be parking. Not to mention the fact that you're opening the door, because what you're saying is while I'm driving in here and parking, well, actually, I'm pretending that I'm disabled. I'm saying I'm disabled because I'm using this handicapped parking space. Okay? Blind spot, blind spot, because you're not realizing what you're doing to yourself spiritually. You're not realizing what you're doing in God's eyes. That you're willing to say that I'm going to take a spot from somebody that really needs it, that really is handicapped, I'm taking that spot from them to further my own because I need, I don't want to walk 50 feet. Okay? All right. But these are little blind spots that we get into in our lives that we don't realize. And it's a blind spot because you don't see it, but it's right there in front of you. The Word of God is crystal clear on that. You see? You see? And there are many of them that, many of them that we need to stop and think about here. When things are happening in your life like that, you need to ask yourself, what were, remember the old um, bracelets they had, WWJ, WWDJ, or WWJD, what would Jesus do? Remember? T-shirts, hats they had. All right? We need to ask ourselves many times, what would Jesus do in a situation like that? How would he react? Okay, see, but the point I want to make to you is that there are so many things that we wind up going through in life that we think eh, it's not important or it's a little thing like that. And that's why it is a blind spot, because you do not see the connection to your spiritual well-being, to whatever it is, whatever it is that you're doing or not doing. And then you're wondering why you're not going to get blessed. The last blind spot is tithes and offerings. Let's go to Malachi 3. And this is a this is a big blind spot because people still have not made the connection between why they're not being blessed or why things are, are why they're struggling in life, why why they're feeling the way that they're feeling. There are so many things, so many ways that this can manifest in your life. Um, it isn't that it isn't funny, but it's a big, big blind spot because people seem to seem to dismiss it. OK. And. You know, I, I, I very rarely teach on the tithes and offering scriptures because uh, um, I'm not one that believes in, 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 in begging for tithes and offerings and things like that. But my responsibility, God always puts on my heart, is if the people don't know, then I'm responsible for not telling them. So I'm telling you and, and reading and to those that are listening to this on the podcast, I'm telling you this so that you can stop and think for yourself. This is not because of for me. God doesn't need your money, but there are spiritual realities that tithing, that giving and tithes and offerings set up. And whether you believe it or hear it or not, it could be a big, big blind spot that's in your life because God is, is, is very, very, is very, very important to him. So chapter three here is not about me and, and, and it's not about me or the church. This is about you, actually. So you can hear what God has to say on it and make some decisions for yourself. Uh, Malachi three and just starting with verse number uh, seven. Malachi, and then m- many of you are familiar with these scriptures, I'm sure. Even from the days of your father, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. So God is saying right there, return unto me and I will return unto you. People don't realize how they've drifted away from God in this area. But you said, wherein shall we return? How shall we return? Eight, will a man rob God? 
Okay, most people you say that to. No, of course, I would never think of robbing God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, God says. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein or how have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Underline that, please. In tithes and offerings. You, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If it will not open unto you the windows, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. So 11 here is talking about I will rebuke the devourer. I will keep Satan away from your finances, keep Satan away from the things that you own, keep Satan away from your family and so on like that. But the key here that I want you to see also is in verse number eight. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed me? In tithes and offerings and offerings. Many people think, well, it's mandatory that I give the tithe, but I don't have to give offerings. Okay, the tithe is mandatory. The tithe is 10 percent. That's what the word in Greek translates as uh, 10 percent. But if you tithe, the tithe is mandatory. But offerings is also something God expects you to do. So the offering is above and beyond your tithe. The offering is what is going to keep people fed, help people who are less fortunate to you. The offering is going for many other things where God would, would, would move the church, move the church or move the ministry to give to others on. It's giving. So, so some people say, well, I gave my tithes. That's enough. I gave my tithes. And then when it comes time to take up an offering for someone else, an offering for someone who doesn't have food, an offering for someone who doesn't have gifts at Christmas time, you know what many people think in their hearts, thinking, well, I gave my tithes, let them take it out, let them, let them give to these poor people of what I gave in my tithes. I gave my tithes, so that's enough. I don't have to give an offering. Let the church or the ministry take it out of the tithes. That's not what God is saying. God is saying tithes and offerings. What you give of tithes is used, for, is used as a tithe. What is given as an offering is used as an offering. Okay, and you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. The more you give to God, the more you wind up getting back. Okay, and God is saying, He say, He says, "Test me, prove to me." It says, "Bring all the tithes of the soil that there will be meat, and prove me now. Prove me right now that I will open up the windows of heavens and pour you out a blessing." Okay, but the blind spot is the blind spot is people think, "Well, this is not important. This is not important. I don't have to give to God." Look at that church. That church has this. Oh, look at this magnificent building. Look at the car that the pastor drives. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I don't need to give to him. Well, guess what? You're not giving to that pastor. You're giving to God. You're giving to God. And if the church is worth its salt, the money that you're giving is used for the furtherance of God's word anyway. Okay? But the bottom line is that even if you're giving to, to a church and you're giving in good earnest and you don't know what's happening behind the scenes... Where the pastor's taking that money and running off to Vegas and so on, and he's gambling with the money. Well, that's on the pastor. That's on the pastor. God does not take away from you the fact that in good earnest, because you didn't know, in good earnest you were giving to God. You see? So this is not about the church. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about you. Okay? And so I'm saying to you that giving in tithes and offerings, not just tithes, but offerings also, that that could be a blind spot because you're thinking that, well, I gave the tithes, that's enough. God is saying it tithes and offerings. So the blind, pot, the blind spot could be is, is that you are, not, you are not availing yourself. You're not, you're not making yourself put into a position where God can pour out the windows of blessings on you. Okay? 
Alrighty? And, and, and this is, is, is I'm delivering the message to you and you have to decide on how you want to deal with it. All right. But many people do not realize, and this is a big, big reason here, why many people are struggling in their lives. They're struggling as far as their relationships are concerned. They're struggling as far as jobs are concerned. They're struggling as long as how finances are. are and it can resurrect in so many ways because where it says rebuking the devourer, it's also in call, it, it includes health. It includes health, too. You want to be in a good state of you want to be in a good state of physical repair, so to speak. You want to be healthy. Start thinking about am I giving to God? Because if you're give, you're not giving to God, you're robbing God. So if you're robbing God, how can you expect to be healthy? How can you expect to be prosperous? How can you expect for doors to be open for you when you're robbing God? Okay, you wouldn't rob me. You wouldn't read, rob the brother or sister next to you. But you don't think twice about robbing God. Okay, all right, and, and this is this is a blind spot that many many Christians have because of that so many um, secular and devilish beliefs get in there, get into their minds to give them reasons or excuses for not giving to God. Okay, all right, and one of the big excuses is because I mean you know I, I've been there, I've been in, walking in the Lord for a long time, but I wasn't always doing exactly what God wanted me to do. And I remember the times as a young, young baby in Christ, when I got my paycheck, the first thing I thought about was my rent money. It was my rent. Then after the rent came the light bill, the electric bill, and the list goes on and on and on. Okay, and then what was left I gave to God. What was left, okay? And then, then the Holy, as I grew in the Lord and the Holy Spirit started talking to me more, and I realized what the Scripture is really, really saying, and I realized, gee whiz, I am stealing for, from God. And I was so thankful as my children were coming along. Okay? Okay, had our first our first child, Ian, and whatnot, and we we lived in a studio apartment. Okay, we're talking almost forty years ago now. Sorry, Ian, put your age out there. <laughs> okay, we're talking almost forty years ago now. All right, okay, but you start living in a studio apartment, and God provided, and I locked into this tithing thing, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I see things start to change. I, I saw things changing. You see, so it's a deep spiritual thing where you don't think of it as being important. And it's a big blind spot to many Christians. Okay, the more generous you are, the more generous you are, the more God will bless you. And you'll see things you see things starting to pan out, start to pan out in so many in so many different ways. Okay, and in closing here, the last few scriptures here regarding the tithing and the offering too. the other blind spot that we have. And I've seen it impact so many people over the years being in, in, uh, in, in ministry is that. What is the tithe? What is an offering? The tithe is on your increase. Back in the days when it was an agrarian society, a farming society. OK, they tithe a tenth of the land. So as you of uh, the crops, as your crop increase, you tithe a tenth of that increase. Every time your crops grew, increased, you were to give a tenth of that, a portion. So it's, so it, 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 it's a tenth of your increase. So whatever you have as an increase, an increase can be your, your paycheck. If it's, on a, if it's on a weekly basis, and this is what you need to think and pray about, weekly basis, a biweekly basis, or a monthly basis. If that's your increase, that's when you should be tithing because you were increased. You got something that you didn't have. You received your paycheck, that money you did not have before. So now you got it in. That's an increase. So according to the word of God, you tithe on that increase. You, you give you give a, of, of that increase. The big blind spot many Christians face and fall victim to is that. I don't go to church that Sunday. I miss church that Sunday or I'm on vacation. 
Okay, I didn't attend church, so I don't have to tithe. Did you still get an increase? Did you still get your paycheck? If you got your paycheck, even whether you're in church or not, you should be tithing. Okay, you set it aside until the next time that you're in church. If you're out for a month you, 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 and you're paid, you're paid weekly, that's four paychecks there, you put aside the tithe for each one of those weeks and you bring it to church after a month when you, when you, do, get, when you do get to church and you give it in. Because you got the increase. Okay? Alrighty? I tithe on my income tax refund. That's an increase. That's an increase. Okay? Alrighty? If I've been tithing before taxes on my gross, then, then I, give, I give an increase. All right. Okay. So you got to stop and you've got to think about that, 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 that just because I'm in a certain condition, I got an increase in my pocket or in my bank. That means that God does not expect me to say, OK, you're not in church this Sunday. You don't have to tithe. It's got nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. OK, you set it aside. But that's a big blind spot that many Christians wind up running into because guess what? They're robbing God and they don't realize because they don't see it. But spiritually speaking, that reality is just as real as anything else going on in the physical realm. Okay? All right, all right. So blind spots. We need to watch out what those blind spots are in our lives and search our hearts, search our minds, and stop thinking, taking the things for granted. You need to ask yourself, by me doing this or by me not doing this, am I possibly getting in, 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 in a bad way with God? You think about it. Go over that list of blind spots. Many of the things that you just take so for granted and you're not doing, you could be possibly walking in that blind spot, which is preventing God from blessing you. Whereas preventing God from 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 really bringing you to where he wants me to where he wants you to be. And if you've got things that you're praying for and that you're hoping for, as most of us do, there's always something that we're praying for and hoping for. You need to ask the Lord, am I missing anything? Is there anything that I'm doing or not doing that I should be doing so that these blind spots that are out there can come back into my 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 my, uh, view, come back into sight? Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.